Well, praise God. I'm glad to be here with y'all in the presence of the Lord tonight. You know, I met a man on an airplane coming home, and uh, he does mission work around the world. And, and uh, I asked him if he, he asked me if I pastored a church. And I said, yeah, I pastor a church. And he said, how long have you pastored a church? And I said, well, actually, just 26 years, just finished 26 years. And, and he's like, really? He said, man, I pastored a church for about 10 years and just almost killed me. And I said, that's terrible. And he said, yeah. He said, I, I want to preach one message for 52 weeks. I don't want to have to preach a new message every week. And I said, well, I said, that's not my problem. <laughs> I said, that's one thing I love to do is preach. That's not my problem, so praise God. But, uh, yeah, so thank everybody for praying. I just, I'll give you a little update on everything going on because uh, I know you, everybody wants to hear, and I'll try to have some more pictures and stuff. I just got in late last night. And so I'm a little road weary and a little, little still sore. I worked, it worked like a Trojan down there. I mean, it was uh, pretty interesting. But go ahead and uh, Logan and show that that video. Everybody can kind of get a little idea of what we, this is. The first well that's ever been drilled on a widow's house. And so we we were very successful. We hit huge amount of water, and uh, but most of it was. Talking with the teaching the Guatemalans how to run the rig because they're going to be doing this, and as you can see, how much water we got there. <laughs> this is how small the rig is. It's basically a lawnmower with a piece of pipe stuck on the end of it. That was it. It's a good video. Praise the Lord for that. Did y'all catch all that? Got it down. Yeah, this rig. I I, I joked because the. The, a person, I think it's just an individual, I don't think it's a, a church, bought this rig uh, for the orphanage. And after this whole week of running, and I said, I think we got the short end of the stick. I said, I wish I'd have bought the rig and the guy from Colorado to come down here and run this baby. Because uh, figuring it out and getting it to run was two completely different things. It was an extreme amount of work. Um, the machine can only, it only goes forward. There's no reverse on it. So to break every joint, you have to do it by hand. And uh, the tallest Guatemala, here we go. This is Andrew. Y'all know Andrew. He's, he's starting out the day drilling. And that's what it looks like, a little bitty footprint. As you can see, it's just a slop hole of mud. And what happened was is we got into this rock that broke up into gravel and kept flooding our pit with gravel and stopping up our mud pumps. And so we had to put these baskets in there. And these guys had to basically just stay in the mud the whole time, straining out all of this rock while we're trying to make this thing drill. But the problem is, is that the Guatemalans are not very tall people. And so you string that piece of drill pipe up, it's eight foot tall, and they're not strong enough to break it, uh, break the joints. And so uh, I slap, had to slap a 16-inch Stilson on there, you know, and I broke the joint, and, 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 but they couldn't do it. They just jerked, 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 jerked. I was like, oh, God. So the whole first day I had to break all the joints in and out of the hole. But you got to break two. got to break one down real low. I had to get down real low, you know, to the ground and break that one, and then I had to break the one up here. So that night I took more ibuprofen than I've ever taken. <laughs> I haven't taken ibuprofen in years, and I was, like, sucking ibuprofen down, like, almost continually. I wanted to grind it up and put it in a liquid and just drink it all day long. And so the next day, 
I'm like, guys, I, I, I'm not going to make it to the day. Y'all are, I'm, I'm, we're talking about hospitalization here, you know. <laughs> I'm so sore. And so the next day, they, I worked with them again, and then we finally, finally, I got this young man, Samuel, to show him how to put his foot up there and get the torque, you know, and he didn't just, you know. And so anyway, we finally got that going. But it literally, the one thing I found out about drilling, drilling a well is really easy. Drilling is easy. It's just, a monkey could do it. But it's problem-solving all the things that go wrong. And it was a continual battle. We started um, drilling on Wednesday morning at 8 o'clock, and 7 o'clock we'd get through, and every day all the way through until Monday. I was, we were still trying to get things uh, solved and problem-solved and all. Stick the casing down in there, drop a pump in it, and I said, well, boys, this is when we're going to find out if we did any good, you know, because you don't know. And that baby started pumping water and pumping water and pumping water. And I kept waiting. I told him, I said, stay over there on the switch, you know, because we don't want to burn the pump up. We're going to run out of water here in a little bit. And it just kept going. It just kept running. And I was working on our I man. So we, did we tap into the something? What did we tap into here? I mean, you know, my Lord. Just kept running, kept running, and kept running. Finally, the guy said, you know what? And I said, I don't know. It's, it's just running. And 15 minutes goes by, 20 minutes goes by, 30 minutes goes by, 40 minutes go by. It won't pump off. I have a one-horsepower pump in the bottom of it pumping 30 gallons a minute. It will not pump off. And so like, I'm like, I've never had this problem. Usually we're trying to measure it gallons per minute, you know, and trying to just time it because it's not running much. And I said, I don't know what to do. I've never tried to test a well that I can't pump it off. So we don't know how exactly how much we got, but we got 50, 60 gallon a minute well because we can never pump it off. So we did everything in the world, testing it. So anyway, we just started laughing and said, oh, well. But we had all kinds of exciting things happen. And uh, a few things I have written in the book, I had to, take the, had to take the piece of casing, the plastic thick four-inch PVC casing, into the widow's house and build a fire in her oven. Well, she already had a fire going. To, we had to melt the pipe, make it down to a point. And so <laughs> I got a picture I'll show you Sunday of... I've got this joint of pipe stuck in her oven, turning it around, and she's sitting there watching like, I know she's just thinking, what are these guys doing? You know. But I tell you, this is one of the, I'll tell you a couple of other things that just blessed my heart. We had great church services on Sunday. Um, two of the houses of kids got quarantined because they thought they had hepatitis in it, and so, um, they, so they quarantined two of the houses, so we were short 40 of the kids that would have normally been there. Um, it happens to us once in a while. One of the tutors that come in is sick or something, and you know how it is with kids, and one goes to the next, so they had to quarantine the houses. But anyway, so um, we had great services. It just blesses my heart. And I see these kids that a lot of them that we've seen over the years growing up, and now they're on the stage doing praise and worship. And uh, JJ, who's been with us forever, he's doing all the announcements, taking up the offering you know, and, and, and ministering and preaching. And I'm just sitting there thinking, ah, you know, they wouldn't be here. They would not be here. And to hear their stories and to see what is going on and what's happening in their lives, and literally you're talking about some of the most abused children in the world, thrown away children, children from the dumps, children from the streets, children just, you know, raised in horrible, the most atrocious things you could ever imagine. And uh, now they love Jesus, they're baptized in the Holy Ghost, reading their Bible, going to Bible study, serving the Lord. And I just look at them and think, man, 
what they had to overcome to have love. And, and they all come up to me and they start telling me things and it blows my mind. They say, you know, even though we haven't had a lot of communication, we just know you're always down here and we just know you love us and we just feel so loved because y'all are down here and your church loves us and supports us. And, and it just blows my mind, you know. It just blows my mind that God allowed us to be in the middle of that. And uh, Sunday, I was in the back of the church and uh, waiting for them to, for me to go preach. And, um, and that was cool because church, they have church at 1030. So y'all were having church here. We're having church down there, you know, just all going off. And so I'm standing there and, and I'm just have my hands up and I'm just worshiping the Lord. And, and, you know, it's just one of those times you just sense that somebody is around you. <laughs> so, you know, I kind of opened up my eyes and I looked and this little bitty girl was there. She's just two years old and she's only been in the orphanage about two weeks. And she had her little pink dress on and her little pink shoes. And she was just standing there and she was just like this. She's biting her fingernails and, and she was just looking up at me. And I just, you know, I smiled at her and, and, and I, I just sat down and, you know, you know, because some of these kids that come from really abused situations, you know, you got to be real careful about what you do. And especially, you know, most of their abuse is from a man. And here I'm standing and looking at her, this big white beard and everything, and they don't even have hair down there. So... <clears throat> So I just, you know, real gently reached over and kind of touched her on the shoulder and kind of stroked her. And then so she, she moved a little closer and, and I just touched her hair and, and just started just kind of rubbing her back and everything. And so she just stood there and everything. So I sat down and so I patted the seat. I said, you know, do you want to sit down? And so she crawls up in the seat and she sits down by me. She's still just like this and, and just like, you know, I could tell. It's like, is he going to accept me? Is he going to, you know, what's going to happen? And so... Uh, Bethany was sitting there, and so she's la- she starts laughing, and I said, you know, what's her name? She says, I don't know. She's, we've been gone, and we just got back. She's just been here. She's brand new in the orphanage. And so I sat there and just kind of stroked her, and worship was going on, and, and then in a minute, she started smiling, and then she reached over, and she poked me on the leg, and then I poked her leg, and then she started laughing, and then so she got, and then she started crawling up, and then she crawled over there and got in my lap, and so Annie looked, I mean, Annie, Bethany looks at me, and she's like, she's got your heart. You know, I said, yeah, I mean, you know, what do you want, kid? You can have anything I've got. I mean, you know, this is unbelievable. And so after service, I was telling Bethany, I said, yeah, yeah, y'all all think I'm all intimidating and all mean and everything. Look at this kid knows. She knows who's full of the Spirit of God, comes over and crawls in my lap, you know. But it's just so sweet. And to think, here she is. She's out of this abuse situation. She's already feeling love, sensing the presence of God. And she's going to grow up and be an amazing, amazing person one day. The other thing, Frankie and Darlene, that is a real blessing, y'all need to just keep praying, is that Mimi got a visa to come to the States. And so we are just believing uh, it, that it's going to work out, and then she can come here and preach. Now, Mimi is a little girl that has been there for a long time. She so, came from a horrible, abusive situation, one of the worst uh, cases of abuse. And she's been raised up in the orphanage and... Uh, She's the one that says she wants to be the president of Guatemala. And so she's studying to become a lawyer right now. And it's tough and it's hard on her. And she's really having to learn. But she's, she's, just, she's a fighter and just keeps fighting and fighting on through. And so she was there. I got to see her. And she's doing great. Looks good. Um, English is getting great. I mean, she's getting where she just speaks English to me and everything. And so it, it's really cool. So just to see all of this and just to be a part of it just blesses my heart so much. You know, it makes it worth the fight that you got to get on the plane down there and back. <clears throat> I told Laura, I thought I'd 
stayed there too long. When I got on the plane coming home, the man that was sitting beside me, um, he, he turned, he was struggling with getting his suitcase up and he had something else in his hand and he reaches, hand, he, he was sitting in the seat on the other side of me and he hands this to me and he says in really bad Spanish, he says, you know, pones, pones en la silla. So I take it and I put it over there in his seat and he sits down and he looks at me and he says, uh, do, you, do you speak English? And I mean, I missed my chance because I was just so brain dead at the time. I was, there could have been a million good comebacks I could have come back with. And I just looked at him and said, yeah, I speak English. Yeah, I've been down here too long, man. They're all <laughs> you know, starting to look like a Guatemalan, you know. So. Mm-hmm. That was it. Too many, too many tortillas. Lord have mercy. So anyway, it was great. And so it's such a blessing. Um, you know, we're just going to, that was our first run at this on these widows' houses, and we're training the Guatemalans to do it, and so we're just, we're probably going to have to go back in February and drill another one and just keep working with them, because it's, like I said, it's not the, drilling's not the problem, it's figuring out all the problems you have while you're drilling, because I did everything completely wrong from the rule book of drilling, and to, in order to get this well, just because you just have problems, it just... This is the way it is. And so it's always, it's just a big problem-solving event is what it amounts to. But praise the Lord. So anyway, um, that was all good. Kids are good. Church looks great. Um, they're getting all the stuff in the children's church side, the stage built and all that stuff in it right now. And bathrooms are getting finished. We're going to get the, the um, kitchen. We never did the kitchen. They're going to start doing the kitchen and getting all that done. And so... Anyway, it's just all good, all good. Just looks beautiful. Uh, what was really funny was I ran out of here in front of the storm thinking that, you know, it might be hard to get out to go to the airport. So I went to the airport Monday night and uh, get down to Guatemala expecting that we're going to be in that drilling mud cold. And it was hot. Man, I got sunburned. I, I, I took only my good hat, and so I didn't want to wear it on the drilling rig. We were a cap. Actually, my ears got sunburned. I hadn't got had sunburned ears in the wind. And I couldn't believe it. It was hot. I mean, sweating hot. And I'm like, holly. So that was a change. I wasn't expecting that. That's right. And so that was our children's church. The money that they've been gathering for the last couple of years is putting all that together in their children's church. Yes, Bruce? Not yet. We haven't, we're having a fence problem. <laughs> we haven't figured out how to, how to get the outside people in and keep them from getting into the orphanage. And there's a security issue there. We're trying to figure out how to do it. And we don't want to just put up a big wall. We don't want to do something that's going to take away. We want it to be pretty. We, and we just, we just hadn't figured it out yet of how to do that to get the people in and out but not get into the orphanage and not take anything away from the, the boys' houses that are up there because... Um, it's pretty tight right in there. We don't want to have to build a big fence and stuff and block everybody out. So that's in the plan. We're making this last run to get this done, and then you know, hopefully maybe in February we'll start uh, with that fence. We'll get some crews down there and figure it out. We've got to do something with something we can see through because the way the church is set up, you look out the windows and you see out over everything. If we build anything too big, then you, you stop that from doing that. And so anywho, one of those... Issues we got to deal with. But anyway, it's glorious. So 
But let me share something. Let me share some word with you tonight. So get your Bibles out. Go to Jeremiah chapter 9. Something that the Lord started sharing with me down there. And um, I just want to start it tonight and kind of see where it goes. Jeremiah 9.23. It says, Thus saith the Lord, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, let not the mighty man glory in his might, nor let the rich man glory in his riches, but let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and he knows me, that I am the Lord exercising loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these I delight, says the Lord. And what the Lord started sharing with me and speaking to me about was that, you know, the world system has it wrong. The world system says we're to seek after riches, we're to seek after uh, 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 prominence, we're to seek after, you know, knowledge. We're, that, that's what means something. If, you're, if you go to college and you have a big degree or you do whatever, that this is a thing, and I'm not saying you shouldn't, but if that's what God's leading you to, but the world puts a stamp, the stamp and says, this what makes somebody somebody is that you have this understanding of the world, you have this understanding or you're, you know... Uh, a great athlete or a model or a, you know, this or that. Idea. That's what you have to achieve. But in God's world that we're supposed to be living in, he says, no, no, no. The, really, the person who really is made it in life is the person who understands and knows me. Okay. Have y'all noticed how no matter what you do in life, if you're trying to work the world system, that just about the time you achieve the level that you're supposed to be at or you think you, you reach that point, that some yahoo raises the bar. Hello? Think about the mile, running the mile. I mean, it was nobody was breaking a four-minute mile. And now, if you run a four-minute mile, you're slow. <laughs> right? And forever, it was like, that was the goal. It's unattainable. Could anybody run a four-minute mile? And then some Kenyan did it. And then after that, it's just been going down. Now everybody can run. I mean, oh, you run the four-minute mile? Oh, that mean nothing. It's whatever. It's if lifting weights. Uh, it, you know, the models. You have a model. Oh, look, she's tall and beautiful. Oh, but now the models need to be skinnier. They change the bar all the time on us. So, you know, you were worth, oh, you're a millionaire. So, oh, you were something. You're a millionaire. Now a millionaire. Everybody's a millionaire. I mean, I'm going to try it one of these days, but I'm just telling you, you know. And then they say, oh, well, you know, then it's this bar. And they say, oh, well, then you're not really, you're not really something until you got, you know, 10 million, 20 million, 30 million, 40 million. And then you get 40 million. And then, oh, well, you know, now it's 50, you know. And they just keep changing it. But God says, look, you, you can't get in that rat race. You can't get in the rat race of trying to achieve and accomplish something that everybody's going to change the standard to. The only thing you really need to strive for and achieve for is to understand and know me. Now, here's where it all gets messed up. Because when I came home on the plane, there was some, I, I, I didn't ask them what they were. I thought that might be rude, but they were orthodox something because they had the black robes on. They had the, not, not like a Jewish cat, but a full head cover that went over, you know, huge crosses, you know, uh, they were orthodox something. And I knew that they were going back to Frankfurt, so on their over European orthodox something. And I was just sitting there looking at him at the man that was, he was close to me, and I was just watching him, trying not to judge, you know, but just thinking of how different we are. 
here I'm sitting there with my cowboy hat on and, and you know, came back from what we're doing and the way our church is versus what their form of religion must be. And I kept thinking the whole time, I said, Lord, I just, this Jeremiah 9.23 just was eating at me. I said, I, I just pray they know you. But if you're raised in that, it's kind of hard to maybe grasp God because your understanding of God is coming from what's around you. So if you're raised in a church with stained glass windows, you need to think God likes stained glass windows. But does God like stained glass windows? I don't know. But one thing I do know is that if you come to know him, you'll know what he likes. And what God's saying, and was just, just resounding over and over and over to me, it's coming to that place where you're not letting the outside influence of religion, and I don't mean that in a negative sense, but in the outside of what other men know, but what you know. Right? I mean, I don't really care if a person wears a suit to church, if that's what they want to wear. It doesn't make any difference. I don't care if they want to wear sandals to church or, or shorts to church or whatever. It doesn't make any difference. It's just, but do you know God? It's not, what, it's not the form of, oh, we do this so then we know God. You could be doing all the forms of religion and not know God. It's do we have a relationship, a personal relationship with him enough to know what does God like? Now, when I walk around there at Casa Angelina, I know what God likes. He likes restoration. When I see these kids and I say, you cannot tell me that's not God. And you can't tell me that the program and what they're doing and the way they're doing it doesn't work because we're seeing lives change. I'm seeing broken children turning into blessings, amazing children doing amazing things. And the love of God is flowing through their lives and they're, they're changing. You can't tell me it's not God. Right. And how they got there, I don't really care. How should we go in there and put, oh, well, we ought to not do this. I mean, I just love it. We have kids, we have young men down there that have long hair. We have young men down there that have short hair. We have got girls in blue jeans. We've got girls in dresses. There'll be a, a girl, I was just sitting there watching the, all the kids come in, and you've got this little girl, she got dressed up. She's in her dress, she's, you know, and then you've got the other one over here. She's got her baseball cap turned backwards. And I love it. I love that we're not molding out kids that they have to form, conform to some sort of mold before they're accepted. They're just, we love them. We love them who they are, love them what they're doing, you know? Uh, one of the young men that came to work with me, and, and I just I, I told Andrew, I said, look, I've fallen in love with that young man. He's 17. His name's Samuel. Uh, we called him Sammy. And... Uh, I said, whatever that kid needs, I want to take care of it from now on. The rest of his life, whatever that kid needs, we're just going to take care of him. Because he had a, just a heart to work. Come to find out his story, uh, his parents had both died. His uncles took him, just took him to the fields and made him work. And they just worked him like a, you know, like a dog and, and, and got his money. And then they would take him in the bars at night with him. And, and he was drinking and, and, and just taking a bad turn in life. And uh, his little brother was already at Casa Angelina, and, but he wasn't. And he just saw the, where he was going in life and how downhill he was and knowing that Casa Angelina was there. And so, you know, it's been about three years ago. He just came and knocked on the door and said, can I be here? I want to change and completely change. And this guy just worked. He just he was the smartest kid. 
as I would tell him what to do, and he didn't know how to do anything. And as I just showed him what to do, man, he'd just jump in there and just do it, and he always did it. He watched, and he, he learned, and, he, and I said, man, this kid, this kid's sharp. He can do great things. And, uh, but the thing is, is that, that come to find out his story, he, he just fell in love with Jesus. He got saved. He, he got baptized in the Holy Ghost. He just is, loves, has a love for Jesus. He's just growing in love, and, and that's who he is. Okay. Then the next day, they sent another kid with us. We had Sam, Sammy and another kid, and this kid didn't know anything about work. Never, didn't, I mean, nothing. Completely the opposite kid, but it really didn't make any difference because everybody just loved him, and you can see he loved Jesus, and he was just trying, but he didn't know anything. My point is, is folks, it's not about letting the outside world influence us in our relationship with Jesus. It's about us digging into the Word and finding out who God is. And you know who God is because you see what he's doing. And so my first point about this whole thing, well, first of all, let me just stop. Let me back up. Jeremiah 29. This is scripture you all know. Go to Jeremiah 29, 12. It says, then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you and, I will, and you will seek me and find me. When you search for me with all of your heart, I will be found by you, says the Lord. I will bring you back from your captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I've driven you, says the Lord. And I will bring you to the place from which I caused you to be carried away captive. Now, I know that this is a prophecy to Israel, all right? But look at the heart of God here. The heart of God says, if you look for me, you're going to find me. Now, just think about that, church. Here's the God that created the world in six days. Here's the God who, 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 who makes all this amazing things around us in this world. And he says, if you call upon me, if you seek me with all your heart, I'm not going to hide from you. You can find me. I'm going to be there. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reveal myself to you. You remember when Moses was on the mountain? I think it's uh, Exodus 33. And he wanted to see God. And, he, and, and so God says, look, I'll put you in the cleft of the rock because and, and, if you see me, I'll, you'll, it'll kill you, but you'll see me pass by. You'll see my goodness. And he, then he declared who he was to Moses. Well, we don't have to do that anymore. We don't have to hide in the cleft of the rock because we're in Jesus. And he wants to reveal himself to us. God Almighty, the creator of the heavens and the earth and all the rain, wants to sit down and talk to you. To me, folks, that is the most amazing thing on the face of the earth. Men want to inject into us who God is, but we have to know who God is. And what I really feel in my heart being stirred in there is that, that God is saying at this time, man, it's time for us to just seek him harder than we've ever sought him before. It's time to learn more than we've ever learned before. It's time to sit down and don't think God's going to do this or that because somebody told us, but know what God wants to do because he told us. Know what God wants to do because he's the one that told us. Know what he's doing. Know what he's like. There's a lot of strange things happening on the earth today. A lot of people saying God's in this and God's in that. But I, I tell you, you know, if you know God, then you know that if that is like him. But if you don't know God and you're just letting the world tell you, then you know what happens? You, people get off pretty quick. Get to doing weird things. And before long, you're just like, what? That's not God. God wouldn't have anything to do with that. So the first thing that in this that, I, that, that comes to me that you have to understand is what Genesis 12, 1 says. You have to understand God doesn't think like man thinks, all right? God's ways are different. I mean, why would nobody's wanting to die for the world? 
And the first thing you got to come to understand, if you're going to understand God, is you have to understand that God is a God of covenant. Everything, when you read throughout the scriptures, everything he does, he does, it's all based on covenant. Now, we've all preached on this before, and you've heard a million messages on it, but the thing is that we don't understand what covenant is. Because we look at contracts, we look at promises that get broken, we look at contracts that get broken, we look at things that happen on this world and try to make that into what we think covenant is. But the truth is, God is, if you just let me say it in this good old country, all right, God is never going to break his word. He can't. He cannot break his word. If he breaks his word, he'll cease to exist. He, he's not God. So, think about this. If God says, I will protect you, it's impossible for him not to. The only thing that can stop the word of God, his promise, his covenant from working in our lives is if we walk away. If I was to say, you know, if I was to say, here, I want to give you, I'm going to give you $100, and I'm to hold the $100 out and say, here, I want to give you $100. And you just say, oh, you know, he's not really going to give me that $100. You know? By the time I get away, he's going to pull it back. You know, he's not going to do that. And so you don't take it. I've already given you my word. Here, I want to give you $100, but you don't take it. You back up, you back up, you back up, you walk over there and say, man, I wish I had $100, but I'm trying to give you one. But you got to go get it. Right? You've got to take me at my word that I'm going to give it to you. Well, we don't understand that God will not break covenant because we keep relating it to what men do, what happens on this earth. Then we get into the, the devil talks to us and says, well, you know, only when you're in the perfect will of God will God answer his prayers to you and do this. And so he gets us tricked in talking, thinking, well, we're not in the perfect will of God. So therefore, God's not going to do it because you haven't done this or you haven't done this yet. But God's got a covenant. When God says he's going to do it, he's going to do it. And that's the end of it. And it goes back to my message about the worms. You just got a worm in your head that's been eating and getting stealing from you the truth so that we're not walking in the truth. Hello? But he is a God of covenant. You've got to understand that he is not going to promise you something that he will not perform. So then it's up to us to get out of this, this life of doubt and unbelief. We have got to move into the realm of grabbing hold of the promises of God. Right before I got there, down to the orphanage, uh, one of our drivers came to, to Bethany uh, one morning early. She was getting ready to leave, and, and he said, Listen, man, can I just ask you for something? Just, can you pray for my mother? And she says, what's going on? I said, well, my mother has diabetes, and they, their foot's gotten infected, and they're going to have to amputate her foot this morning. And so she said, okay. So she just took the bus driver's hand, or the, yeah, I think he was the bus driver, and he just took his hand, prayed for him, prayed over her mother, prayed over the whole situation. Okay, God bless, everything will see you tonight. So when she got home, he was at her house, big smile on his face. She said, man, I, I can hardly believe it. The doctors went in to do the surgery, and when they pulled all the bandages off to, to cut her foot off. There was no infection in the foot, and she was totally healed. So that it sent her home. So we don't know what to do with her. <laughs> we, it shouldn't cut her foot off. <laughs> let's, let's call it off. 
and just sent her home. She's healed. And he was just blown away. He said, I, we just prayed. Yeah. You, sure, you, know, you see what I'm saying? Well, we just prayed. And it just, it just amazes me of how many times in life we get into doubt and unbelief. We just really don't believe he is a covenant God, that he's going to perform what he promised. And so I just challenge you, start, start looking at yourself, start looking at your life, start looking at what's going on. Challenge you, man, when you find a place of doubt and unbelief, just stop right there and repent. Just repent. Just, it's no big deal. God's not going to turn his back on you. Just repent. God, I'm sorry. I'm just doubting. What is wrong with me? I'm just walking in doubt and unbelief. That's what I'm doing. And, and forgive me, Lord. And just go on so you can get all that stuff worked out of our lives that we just believe in him. Amen? Because I'm telling you, I really believe God's got us set up for some great things, but I know that we've got to be, walk, we've got to be in the position to walk in it. Because it's the same thing. God's given us a gift, but if we don't want to take it, <clears throat> you know, then we're going to be walking away when he's trying to give it. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, praise God. I don't want to go on, because if I go to point two, we're going to get way too much. Um, yeah, I had to, I, I, I got to tell you one more thing that just blows my mind, is... Uh, Bethany was and, and Andrew and the whole family were up and they were preaching in Stephenville, Texas. And uh, so they were in this church. I think it was a Baptist church because there's a lot of Baptist churches that really love Bethany. She goes in and preaches all the time. And so anyway, after the service, they went to like a picnic. Pastor had some friends over and everything. And so this lady comes up to Bethany and says, I'm so glad to meet you and see you in, in person said, I've watched you on the Waterhole broadcast all the time, but I, I just really am glad to meet you. She said, what? You've watched me where? She says, uh, yeah, the Waterhole. Uh, Pastor Robert Richards down there in, in Utopia. I watch his broadcast all the time, and I've seen you on it. She's like, what? You know Pastor Robert? She said, oh, yeah, we, we've watched the Waterhole for years. Here's this person. I don't have any other idea who they are. I said, thank you, Jesus, that it's working. You know, it's working. People are listening out there. And so anyway, she told me that, and, and I just laughed. I said, yeah, you thought you were going up there. You were the big shot, but we'd already been up there, you know. Uh, we rode her pretty good. So praise the Lord. I don't know how, don't know anything about how they knew it or found it or whatever, but she said, oh, yeah, we watch the water hole broadcast all the time. So I well, praise God. So reaching out and touching people. They're there. Amen? Amen. Well, let's kick our offering tonight. Hello, this is Robert Richards, and you're listening to The Waterhole, our weekly broadcast, which is now available on iTunes and all major podcast platforms. You can also watch the weekly video broadcast on our YouTube channel. Link's in the description. I pray this has been a blessing to you, and if you've enjoyed this message, please share this with a friend. God bless you, and remember, no matter where you are and what you've done, Jesus loves you.